Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls, Conversations for the Jewish Woman. My name is Sarah. I'm a certified teacher and school leader. I'm passionate about education and Torah and Hasidus. My name is Rifki. I am a certified nurse, midwife, and college teacher. I am passionate about using our bodies and our innate spiritual abilities to serve Hashem in the most healthy and complete way possible. Together, we are pleased to present to you Bodies and Souls, fascinating and informative conversations for you, the Jewish woman. Our aim is to provide you with multidimensional information that will inform and inspire you to be the best version of yourself, supporting your bodies and souls as they strive to be the very best in fulfilling our ultimate potential in bringing Mashiach now. Good morning and welcome to Bodies and Souls. Your host for today is Rifki Boyarski and Sarah Lowenthal. So before we get started, I want to thank everyone for listening to our Hanukkah episode. Um, If you are not following us or haven't given us a five-star review, it's a great time to do that. It helps us reach more people. If you've enjoyed our Bodies and Souls magazine, thank you so much. Um, You can also subscribe and get four issues delivered to your door and two additional mailings. Um, So I think people don't always know that we have two additional mailings that go out once in the summer, once before Purim, and you can get all of that to your door for a really, really great price of $40. It's content that is amazing. And we can't wait for more people to buy the magazine and to read the magazine and share it with friends because we know you're going to love it. Today, we have the very, very, for me, the very big pleasure and for you who are listening of having Nechama Huber with us. Nechama is a friend. And we've had this conversation because I watched Nechama co-parent with her ex-husband in the most beautiful way. And I think that there's a lot of value to be learned, whether you're in a marriage or whether you are uh, post-marriage and co-parenting. There's a lot to learn from the way that Nahama goes about parenting her daughter. So Nahama, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. I'm Nahama Huber and I live in Pittsburgh. And I have, I'm now remarried and I now have four kids altogether. Uh, So I have one for my first marriage and then I have three for my second marriage. And I was 21, I believe 21 when I got married and then quickly the marriage ended, but I was pregnant and I have this beautiful daughter from that first marriage. And then I went on to get remarried about two years later. It has definitely been a journey. I won't say it's been an easy journey. It has definitely been a journey. But in the process of working through my marriage now and growing as a person, I started to realize that so much overlaps with making a marriage work and making a divorce work as well. And that's where a lot of lessons came together. A lot of a lot of um, insight crossed over and I started to apply it to my past relationship and realized that I could actually have shalom bias in both. And I really, really can say that now I do. I've never heard the term shalom bias being applied to a divorcee. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. I think it comes down to, you know, whatever, any kind of relationship that you're in or any kind of interaction that you have with a person, you're always wanting to have a pleasant interaction if you put your best effort forward. I mean, we can choose to take something really personal and be hurt. Or we can choose to see the other person and see what they're saying, see what they're feeling, understand what they're going through. 
And I think that that applies to all people in all situations, whether it's with our children, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our ex, whether it's with a, a coworker, you're always looking to try to make a relationship work and put your best foot forward so that everyone can feel good. And that's what you want. You want people to feel good when they're around you and when they leave after talking to you. And so I feel like the word shalom bias applies to everything because if your home is where you are. And so peace is where you are. And if you're looking to have shalom wherever you are, then that applies to everything. And so this is not necessarily going to be easy for everybody because in some situations, you know, they are divorced for a reason. And so some people really are just too difficult to work with. But so often, if we if we do our part to be the best that we can be in a situation, we can bring the best out of somebody else. And of course, that can be worked through with lots of understanding of different layers of, of interpersonal relationships. But that's like a general idea of what I think of when I think of shalom bias in my home, but with everybody in my life. I think that's so important. So one of the things that, you know, when my sister was going through a divorce, actually in a very similar situation to you, she was pregnant, going through a divorce. Um, and the marriage was not something that they can, they were able to work through at that point. And we're better more involved. Um, one of the things my mother told her is that, you know, once there's a child, even if you're divorced, you're still together. You still have to continue this relationship forever for the sake of the child that's there. Are there situations where couples post-marriage, they go to therapy and they go through like, the process of bettering their communication and bettering their, their interactions. And I guess their shell and bias, as you called it, meaning like you're not saving the marriage through counseling, but because you are continuing to be part of this relationship due to a child being involved, are there situations where couples, you know, what, what are they doing to make it better? I think the first thing that at least to my mind is coming to is therapy. I mean, maybe therapy is, you know, it's, it's a hard one to answer because I, I think that if a couple couldn't make it work in therapy beforehand, I don't know that therapy will work after necessarily. Like there's a reason why they couldn't work it out. I, I really think it comes down to working on yourself first, healing yourself, becoming whole in yourself. And, you know, they say that when you heal yourself, you heal future generations and you heal past generations. And I really think that affects even the, the parents of my child that affects everybody. The work that I've done affects everybody around me. Any energy interaction and energetic interaction is going to be affected by the healing that I do. And so I think it really starts with healing ourselves first, becoming really whole and, and then watching the transformation of the changes happening because it affects everybody. I don't know necessarily that, I mean, I'm not against it. I just personally never did that. Um, but if a, if a couple needs to co-parent and it, takes being in therapy in order to learn how to co-parent. And that is, of course, a good option. I just don't have any personal experience sitting together and working. I, I know that my journey with my ex-husband was that we both did so much personal work on our own separately. And then at one point, we started to like kind of dip our dip our toes in the water a little bit and be like, hey, you know, and I would reach out and then he would reach out and be like, oh, we're like a lot better today than we were, you know, 15 years ago. We probably could learn how to do this really well for our child. And, um, and all of it has benefited my child 150, I mean, 3000%, my child is a happier child because of this. But I don't, I can't say that I went to therapy route. So I don't really know. Something I heard on our podcast many months ago, which has, I still carry with today, is that a relationship, you can compare a relationship to two people holding a rope. There's tension on either side, both sides are being pulled. Even though we like to say, well, the other side is not well, or the other side is in the wrong, 
or the other side is dysfunctional, it, it takes two in a relationship. The tension is happening on either side. And what, why I liked this muscle so much and why I keep on thinking about it is even if we were the one, we're the victim, it's so clear. We just need to let go of the rope and walk away. Literally just let go of it. So can you share with our listeners some of the work that you specifically have done on your own? What helps you go through something as traumatic as a divorce? Well, I mean, it's interesting right off what you're saying about were the victim being in the wrong and not necessarily is that the case. I think some of the work that I've done is to realize that like I've done, I, I hurt people too. I've, I've made mistakes. I mean, I'm not so innocent in this picture. None of us are innocent. I think that's the whole idea of it takes two. And I think along those lines is that like part of my own journey and healing myself was realizing that if somebody's, if someone's being vindictive or if someone's being mean or if someone's um, lashing out or doing or playing a mind game, right? A lot of times it's because they're hurting. Like they are hurting too. And I think it's understanding that people, you know, hurt people, hurt people, right? So to realize that like, if someone's going through a hard time, they're probably dealing with something really tough and to have sympathy and compassion for it instead of judging it and being harsh on it and then being reactive. So I think like that kind of is a way to like, that I've learned how to pull back and be like, like no one does that for no reason. There's always some reason why somebody is acting out. It's usually because they're feeling something, maybe they need validation. And if, if I can be a more compassionate person to the other person, sometimes you can't be. It's, it's not always so like, well, I'll just be nicer and they'll respond. It's not always so such a response kind of thing. But knowing that every action has a reaction, that helps to sort of navigate the relationships. And this also, again, applies to my husband and applies to my ex and applies to my children, it applies to everyone. So that, right, so in my journey, right. So to answer your question about my own personal journey, it was having more compassion on myself, forgiving myself, becoming... I would say becoming proactive, being like an active member of my own healing, um, whether we're talking about talk therapy or getting a support system or just a lot of personal growth. And I think that became front and center of like how I want to live my life. I want to be happy in my own skin all the time, if that's possible. I'd like to be. And because if I'm happy, everybody around me is happy. So it's like an internal journey that then affects everybody and how I think of other people. So a lot of it came down to like just self-compassion, really. Thank you. I love that. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Nahama has this amazing cookie decorating business out in Pittsburgh that I literally drool over all of her cookies. And one day I'm going to come out there. Actually, Nahama just told me she's going to come to me with cookies. But one day I'm going to come out there and just watch her make these dreamy, amazing cookies. And one of the things that if you're not following Hama, maybe you haven't seen, but one of the things that she does do is she occasionally sends her ex these amazing, fabulous cookies that are on point for other things that are happening. He went to Disney with his other kids and they got cookies with their names on it and Disney. And it was just really cute. And she, I know you sent for Hanukkah. Like, I know you do this. So we're talking about like an active relationship and a friendship and a dynamic that obviously started off with very much focus on your daughter that you share, but is, is a relationship all on, on its own. So I kind of want to address the other part of this. So you're happily remarried. Um, you have other children, you have a husband. What is your husband's role in this dynamic that you're talking about, you know, fostering shalom bias and you're fostering this relationship. What's 
the connection between your current husband, your ex-husband and that relationship? Okay. So that's a really good question. So first I want to say that just as a fun fact, I think the cookies for me has brought people together. Like cookies are such a neutral, innocent thing. Um, they're personal, but they're not like so, so personal, but they can be personal, especially if they're personalized. So I really think that cookies, like just having the whole business and like developing my own, my, my own little baby that I could work on and focus on and then share with others and bring joy to others has so been a part of this. So I can't leave that out. Regarding my husband, I was actually like pleasantly surprised that he was so supportive of like my ex and I um, reconnecting. Like he's not someone that I would like even really talk to. It was like the person who lives way far away and I would never even say hi and bye. You come to town and I was like, okay, here's your daughter. Like I never really had like talk to him or anything, but my husband was actually the one who encouraged it. He said, this is all part of your healing. You need to be able to do this. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. I need to be able to do this. And my mother actually has a really great term for it because, you know, I get along well with my husband so well. And then I get along so well with my ex and people look at me, they're like, what's wrong with you? You know? And my mother's like, no, you need to have good men in your corner when you raise your daughter. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. Having good men in my corner is so important. And it's important for my daughter, really. And, and it's important for me and it's important for her. And my husband really saw that. And my husband's, thank God, a very secure person. He's very sure of himself. So I think that that was a lot of it was that he just encouraged it. And if my ex said, I'm coming to town, can you bring her to the airport really early in the morning? My husband would be like, absolutely, I'll be there. Like there was just a, we encourage every kind of effort that you're going to put in. We are so encouraging of it. We are, we are going to do whatever it takes to make it always work out well. So I definitely can say that my husband's support has been everything for me. Really, really, truly. Nechama, Rifki referred to it as a friendship with your ex. Would you say it's a friendship? I I could call it a platonic friendship, really, in that sense. I think it's the friendship that everybody sort of would love to have after a divorce. I mean, I I wouldn't call it a friendship because my husband is my best friend. So just to be like appropriate about it, I wouldn't call it like a friendship. But I definitely feel like we could be friends about certain topics. We can approach, we can talk about anything without judgment. And I think that's really important. So I wouldn't necessarily say that like, you know, we're best friends. um, But I definitely think that it's it's a good friendship for what divorce could look like. Does that answer the question? Yes. Okay. So I recently um, saw a post on a Facebook forum where a mother was really frustrated with her ex. And she said, oh, in my house, I have um, my son's car seat and my ex has my a, a car seat for my son, but my ex is flying in without the car seat um, and asked to borrow mine. And I'm so upset. I don't want to give him my car seat. And everyone was like, what? How can you not want to give him your car seat? Like, what's the big deal? It's your kid. Sometimes like because of the I, I'm assuming because of the hurt emotions and, you know, the the, the our own pecola that we're carrying in post divorce, like these little things that maybe to an outsider in a healthier relationship were like, what's the big deal? It's a car seat. Your kid needs a car seat. Give them a car seat for her became so emotional. Like he can't like she wanted him to travel with the a car seat so that he comes prepared. And I'm sure it came with a lot of undertone. But I think a lot of times in divorce situations, it's not even about the situation. It's about the entirety of the past relationship and the entirety of the hurt and the entirety of all the other stuff. So if somebody is listening to this, um, is either a child of a divorce situation or part of a divorce dynamic, what would you tell them, um, in situations that obviously are not, are very triggering. They're not 
necessarily about what you're seeing, but about all the other stuff underneath it. I think that you said it very right. I think it's really comes down to what's triggering and triggers are real. And so we can't, we can't brush them away. I think this is, the answer to this question is for me very clear because I think you get to a certain point where it feels better to do the right thing than it does to be right in a situation. It actually feels almost pleasurable to be able to say, I'm doing what's right. I'm doing what's right for my child, even though it hurts sometimes and it's, and it's uncomfortable and, and my pain is real and I'm not over it yet. And I don't really want to give anything to this person because of what he's done to me. Like there's that feeling of like, I've maybe I've been betrayed or I've been so hurt. It's so not fair what life has given me, but it, it can feel so much better to do the right thing, to step, step forward and say, I'm going to do the right thing for this child. I'm going to be their bigger person right now because it's the right thing to do. And that can feel so much better than saying, I'm so hurt. I'm not going to give to this person what they need in any situation. So I think there's that shift. I hope that comes across as clear because it's, for me, it's very real, but for someone who's really, really hurting, they might not, they might be like, what are you talking about? I can't ever imagine. But I think there's a point where it just feels better to be the bigger person in a situation. Can I push back on that? Yeah. Because what if you're in a relationship or you were in a relationship where one partner was always like unhealthily, unhealthily dependent, always reliant, never got his, his act together. I don't know why I'm saying a man, but by I guess- the way, I think, I think that's exactly what she was trying to explain when people are like, just bring a car. She's like, no, because he's never stepped up to the plate. I think what Sarah is saying is part of what was happening. So I happen to know of a specific situation where the therapist recommended for the woman to draw very, very firm lines because boundaries. once you boundaries. boundaries, once you start to give in, then it just evolves into this unhealthy reliance of, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to rely on so-and-so to take care of everything. Okay. By the way, to answer this question, because it's a really, really good point. I think it's a very big difference between doing something because someone counseled you as this is the right move to make, as opposed to I'm acting out of my emotions. Like when your emotions are doing the talking or doing the reacting, it's, it's just not going to go well. But if, if you're coming across and you're saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm being as kind as I can be, but it's not helping any of us for me to, to lower these boundaries with this person. And this is what I need to do. I've been counseled to do this. And that's a very different, it's coming from a different place. So we have to ask ourselves, where's this coming from? Which part of us is this coming from when we take action like that? Or when we say something, it's where is it coming from? You know, and we all do it, right? In all relationships, it applies to all relationships. We ask ourselves, am I reacting out of emotion or am I acting out of logic? Where is this coming from? You know, am I having a bad day? Am I bitter today? Because when we're happier, things come across different. So I think this applies to everything. And that's where it comes down to getting the right counsel. Okay, so let's um, talk about some practical applications. What are things that you did on a practical level to improve your relationship with your ex? What are the things that you can say, look, if nothing else do, I don't know, or what, what would you say are the things that people should try to do in order to build these bridges? So like I said before, I think, I think working on yourself, working on yourself has got to be a priority. I mean, the absolute priority is taking care of yourself. If it means, you know, taking care of your health, eating healthier, exercising, going to a therapist, just making sure, finding a hobby, doing things you enjoy, having, making friends, getting out, being social. I mean, you have to take care of yourself. There's no question about that. In terms of other forms of self-care, I mean, it goes into all levels. If, you know, divorce is traumatic, whether, whether you have, whether you feel like you've come out of it 
okay or not. The fact is it's sad and traumatic because you didn't expect it to happen, right? You got married to this person and you're like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person and we're going to have a beautiful family. And yeah, it won't be easy. Like nobody really thinks it's going to be easy, easy, but you don't think it's going to end. And so the fact that it ended is where it got traumatic. Um, and then you have to sort of shift your whole view of your reality now with this person who's now still in your life. If you have children, they're still in your life. But yes, you don't want them to be the main thing in your life. You want to move on from them. So I would say that any kind of trauma treatment is like top priority. I mean, there are so many nowadays, thank God. And when I got divorced was 16, 17 years ago, it was, it was so taboo. I felt like I was the only one in the world getting divorced at the time, but now it's so much more common. And along with that, we have so many more, so much more help for trauma and there's lots of different trauma treatments that people can go through that are so incredible and helpful. And people can say that they live a different life. I can say that I live a different life now um, since I went to those forms of, of therapy, because like I said, it, it, divorce is very, very traumatic. Um, so that I would say that's, that needs to happen. You can't view your ex in a healthy way. If you're coming from a place of trauma, you can't view anything in the world properly. If you're coming from a place of trauma. You're talking about the work that you did to make yourself healthy. Now I'm thinking about a scenario where you have one of one partner who works really hard, does a lot of therapy and is healthy, whereas the other one is not. How does that work? How do you continue to have, let's say, this healthy relationship when one person is clearly not and is not invested in working on themselves? Okay, so I think you're, the answer is you're not going to. You're not going to have a healthy kind of relationship, but you're not going to have a detrimental relationship either where you're hurting your child. There's, there's, there's something in between, right? Like, I feel like this might be the ultimate, but having a constant battle with your ex is also not normal and not good for the children. You know, especially when you're, when you're upset and your children see you and then they have to pick sides, it just can get real messy. So there's something really in between. If, if you can't have that, you know, you, may, you might not have them at your table for dinner, let's say, but you could still send his children Hanukkah presents, right? You can still do gestures, gestures of kindness. You can still go out of your way to be a mensch, even when the other person isn't reciprocating. There's always what you can do because you only have control of yourself anyway. So you can always do your part, speak, speak highly of the person. You know, your children, however you speak about your exes, your children feel like you're talking about them too. So if I say, you know, your father, he's so talented. All my child hears is, wow, I'm, I come from him. I'm talented too, right? That's all they hear. If you say, oh, he's, you know, you know, whatever, then they're thinking, gosh, that, that defines me also. And so the children hear your positive energy about the positive expressions and the positive feelings, good vibes and all that is affecting the children. And so you're right. You can't control the other person. It may not ever be a healthy relationship. Every action might be a disaster that you have, but how you present it to your children out of that particular space can still be positive. I love that. And I feel like that, you know, for people who are listening, that can be applied in a marriage. Also, the more you compliment your spouse, the more your children are like, wow, that's a reflection on me. Could we talk a little bit about family simchas and school events? Like, how does that work out in a way that nobody feels uncomfortable or nobody feels slighted? Because let's say, for example, in your case, your daughter lives with you, your, you and your husband are you know, raising her for the most part. I don't know, obviously, any details about, you know, custody or whatever else is happening. But what happens by a bas mitzvah or a school event where fathers are invited? Are, is there a way to navigate that where everyone's included? 
Yeah, because we include him in everything. I mean, he's very far away. So unfortunately, he doesn't have many opportunities to be involved. But like her graduation happened. That's what I posted some photos on my Instagram. I posted really nice photos of that. Um, and we laid out the red carpet. We said, you're going to come and we're going to have you for dinner, for lunch, whatever we did. We had him over. Um, we, we made sure that he knew where to go during the graduation. My husband sat next to my ex. They were both taking pictures, you know, they were, my husband and him were having a great time together with my son. You know, it just, we just make it, we, see, we are family. Maybe we're divorced, but we're still family. And that's the bottom line. Whether you want to embrace that or not is your own decision and your own situation. But at the end of the day, my ex's sisters are still my family. They're still part of my circle of family. And, and, I, and I like all of them. I always say, I really like your family, you know? And why not? They, we all get along really well. We all, when I see them, I'm so happy to see them. They want to have a relationship with my daughter. They know that getting along with me is a good investment. So everybody just really wants to get along together. And so I would say that we just treat it as just a family simcha, like any other, where family comes in. It's is no it confusing, Nechama? Is it confusing for your kids to see your husband and your ex sitting together? Is it like mixed messages? No, not at all. Not at all. My kids actually, it's much as much as it helps my daughter heal and feel whole, it helps my children also. Because no one's denying the reality here. How do you explain it? Like, how do you explain oh, it even to it. your daughter? Married to him many years ago, and then she had Hana, and then it was my daughter, Hana. And then she um, got divorced from daddy and then remarried to Tati and then had, had you three. And it's, it's as simple as that. There's nothing, we don't hold back from explaining anything. So there's nothing confusing and there's no shame. There's no shame about it. You know, my past is as beautiful as your beautiful past. It's, there's nothing, there's no shame about it. Do they ask why? Why isn't mommy, uh, why um, aren't you married I mean, to daddy? Ask why, but when they meet him, they look at me and they're like, oh, you guys aren't really a match. Like you and Tati are perfect for each other. I don't know what, what you guys were thinking. You know, you guys don't even seem like you would even get along well together. Like they don't see us as a match. My daughter, especially is like, I don't know how you guys ever got married, you know? And I have to explain to her. I'm like, well, actually, you know, we, we were, we really loved each other. Like, you know, don't think that we were just two strangers. We were actually really happily. We were very happy. And that was a good time in our life. And and then we realized very quickly that it wasn't going to be good for us to stay married. It's very interesting. Um, kids are very perceptive. Like we don't give kids enough credit for, you know, understanding situations in a it, way that. Way, without, without saying much. I would say yeah. my daughter was very young and she was already telling me. Um, very young. She would say, I, I just not even a question why you guys aren't married. It's not even a question in my mind. But see, it also helped that they were seeing me with somebody else who's so perfect for me. Um, who really balances me really well. My husband and my ex are so very different, you know? So that became a, it was a sort of a clarity just from living together with mommy and Tati and then seeing daddy. But, you know, this doesn't take away the fact that daddy's very important to her. Like her father is super important person in her life. Whenever who does she view your ex as? Is your, does she consider your ex as another daddy? Yeah, so she has a father and then she has a daddy. She's a Tati and then she has a daddy. Um, my, my husband's obviously here with her all the time. So my husband is kind of doing like the discipline and the constant, you know, but her father, having her father in her life is so critical. It's so important having her real father, having a biological father in her life, just so you know, they get along, like they click really well. Like you can tell they are the same blood <laughs> because they click so well, so fast. It's like, it's like, they've always known each other. Whenever he comes, it's like, they just get right back to, you know, they have a great day together and there's just a very, there's so much similarity that that just goes to show that like, you know, fathers, fathers and daughters, they go together. 
but my husband is the one who's like daily and my and my husband has to show up for her just like my ex has to show up but this is a graduation if one didn't come it would equally devastate her okay here i i guess what i'm not used to understanding is in my mind divorce only happens if there's something that is completely beyond repair someone is so ill or has such a severe addiction or so not functioning in a marriage that there's no way to move forward. And yet from the likes of it, you're, you're describing one marriage that didn't work out. And then you went to another marriage that did work out and you can still sort of maintain a relationship with your past marriage. And that's how you're explaining it to your kids. I guess in, in the firm world, marriage is considered so sacred that there would be a, a severe, severe issue for why it won't, wouldn't work out. And then how do you maintain a good relationship with that, with the past marriage? I don't want to make light of it at all. We were a thousand percent, not a match. We got married because we had to have a child. God wanted us to get married to have a child. And that was really the only reason. And it was very, very, it was so, I had such a, a mental clarity that I needed to, I needed to go when I did. And so I don't know, you know, listen, at the end of the day, do other people who get into marriages and at the beginning realize they're in a bad situation and then they stay, right? So many will say, oh, man, I knew then and I should have left. I should have left then. I shouldn't have had five more kids and then left, you know? Listen, I, I knew that. I knew that had happened to people. So I said to myself, look, and I had a conversation with myself and I said, either we're going to stay and then eventually leave when it's way harder or we're going to get out now. And I had a lot of support. Thank God. I had such, such good support back at home and I made the decision. And let me tell you, it was not easy. I divorce is again, it's traumatic. But let me tell you why it's really, really, really devastating. I probably cried enough to fill bathtubs worth of tears. I mean, it was just so hard to go through and I didn't have a lot of people going through it either. So I was kind of alone. I did have one friend, thank God, who had been, who had just like, just kind of finished that journey a little bit and was well into like the custody and, and, but I didn't have such a support system. Like on the outside, I, I wanted to get remarried and I didn't know if that was ever going to happen. It was like, you know, you, you don't leave, you don't leave one situation to get into another. You leave because you need to leave. And then if you get lucky and then you're blessed and you meet somebody else, that's beautiful, but you can't leave one. Cause you know what? The truth is everybody knows you take your past issues with you, right? You move on to another situation. All your issues come with you. So, and that's true. My, that was true for me too. Don't get me wrong. My second marriage, we had to work through that as well. But the difference with my second marriage was that I knew it was a Bashar marriage. I knew this was where I was meant to be. I didn't doubt that the same way. I still had to do just as much work. It was, just, it was for me personally, it was work either way. Marriage is work and I worked either way. Just with my ex, we were not meant to be. I love how you're yeah. protecting his, his privacy and the privacy of your daughter while, you know, Maybe to us listening, it sounds like there are gaps that we don't understand, but I think that this is part of why your relationship works is because you are giving the respect to both your daughter and your ex-husband to protect their privacy and their personal details. So for whoever's listening, I want, you know, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind that obviously we're not privy to all the details that surround the situation. I think it's, it's a very important part. So Nechama. In your role as a Kala teacher and in your role as the admin of this very, very popular um, Facebook group um, talking about intimacy and marriage. And we know intimacy is really all connected to all the parts of your marriage. What's something that you've learned through your journey 
through the divorce, through picking up the pieces, through remarriage, through becoming a college teacher that you think is a nugget of wisdom or something that women can hold on to in their marriages in a time of struggle. And obviously we're not talking about, you know, struggle that leads to divorce. We're talking about regular struggles. What's something that you've learned in the process that you wish other women um, knew? Okay. Okay. So there's, I have, I have two parts, two parts, two answers to these, to this question. There's like two parts to it. So the first part is that I actually became a college teacher as part of my own healing journey. And one of the reasons I did was because when I was growing up, but this is very generational, there was so little healthy talk about intimacy with children. And as a young girl, I just didn't have a good education about this and not so much. Um, are we talking about like, like, you know, how, how couples connect, but more about like, what connecting looks like in a healthy way. And I think that this is a, a healthy connection all around. And so I think that had I had I been taught like what it means to like really truly connect to another person in all ways, I think I would have had just a different mindset about marriage in general. And so in the process, I also want to give my kids something different than what I went through so that they could become very wholesome and healthy people. And then I think also when part of the process of learning about Tarsim Ashbacha and becoming very, very educated in this is that I realized that it's so much about what the present, we're so in the present with our spouse. It's such a in, a, in the moment thing. It's not about what you went through in the past. It's so much about the moment, keeping our chakos every day, thinking about how you're going to make a better connection with your husband, what you're going to do to help the marriage, working on yourself and then working on the relationship is such an in the moment thing. And I think that that made me, it pulled me into the present. It like really took me into the here and now and said, you know, I have, I'm empowered to do what I can for my marriage today. I can make this amazing if I wanted to, because I have the right education now. And I think that that so much played into it. Um, and that's what I want to do for other women. I want other women to know that they can feel so empowered that so much of what they do affects another person and they can do, and it's a spiritual thing. It's taking on extra, deciding to be extra careful with our chakos. Um, making sure to to be on top of all the details, really being focused on this mitzvah, and then becoming a powerful player in your marriage. And I think that that's how it all for me came together. I'm not sure if that answers your question exactly, but what I would, in terms of concrete, very, very concrete advice, I would say definitely read books, get Take another college class if you have to. I don't care that you're married 30 years. Go to college classes again. Find yourself a good teacher. Take a course. Do something so that you can make it in the now and here and present. And that's so important. Fabulous advice. Thank you so much. Sure. Nechama, I really, really am so happy that we've had this conversation. I know we've been going back and forth about it. And I've watched it and I'm like, people have to see Nechama. People have to hear from Nechama. Um, because I think it's so important. I think sometimes, and I know that we kind of skirted this issue a little bit. Sometimes we think um, either like marriage is a forever, no matter what. And sometimes we think marriage is disposable and let's try for version 2.0. And I think what we really navigated in this conversation is that really marriage is neither. There's a Tyra place, obviously, for extenuating circumstances. And in that extenuating circumstance, there's a better way to do it. And this is what the goal is, is that if you are hitting extenuating circumstances, find the better way. And it's not a better way that's dependent on someone else. It's a better way that's dependent on you. So you hold so much power in that relationship. And I think that's such a powerful message. And I really, truly 
think that that's a powerful message for us in marriages as well, that when we change the dynamic in our current relationships, we have the opportunity to have everyone else reevaluate where they're standing and come back together in a more elevated place. And that's such a powerful message to everyone, whether they're interacting with an ex, whether they're interacting with a spouse, whether they're interacting with their children, their mother-in-law, anyone in their life that maybe in the moment is not so in the best place possible is just change your portion, elevate yourself, work on yourself. And that's going to spread the goodness and the positivity forward. And that's such a, such a powerful message. Nahama, thank you yes. so much for joining us. If people want to follow you or join your Facebook group or any of the other wonderful things that you do, can you just let them know how they can do that? Yeah. So if you want to follow my personal page or my, my personal business page, I am on Instagram as the pop cakery PGH and on Facebook. I'm just the pop cakery. I do cookies. I also do cake pops and we do a lot of custom work. So you'll have fun looking through those photos. And then the Facebook page that me and Hani Karlbach started together is called Jewish women talk about intimacy. And along with the fact that people can ask questions anonymously and get answers. We also have lots of lectures and classes and things that we post that you can go back and watch and learn from And just even just if you don't want to even be an active member, you could just read, read people's answers, read people's questions. That's the work that we're doing right now. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. This is truly, truly amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed and grew. Original music of Shamil's Niggin provided by Hazen David Katak. We look forward to your input, feedback, and suggestions. We also have partnership opportunities available. Please email info at bodiessouls.com. Again, info at bodiessouls.com with two S's. Thank you. Thank you.